0: we're going to read a lengthy passage of scripture yeah Yeah. and let me just say this if you if this is the longest passage of scripture you've read in the last month you need to think about that when they found him on the other side of the lake they asked him rabbi when did you get here jesus answered very truly i tell you The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me And still you do not believe all those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never die for I have come from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? how can he now say i came down from heaven stop grumbling among yourselves jesus answered no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and i will raise them up at the last day it is written in the prophets they will always be taught by god there anyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me no one who has seen the father except the one who is from God only he has seen the father very truly I tell you the one who believes has eternal life I am the bread of life your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet they died but here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die I am the living bread that came down from heaven Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that is in your word. I pray also, Lord, that you would just send the Holy Spirit to inhabit your people and say to us the things you want us to say. And Lord, may we actually hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, you guys read in unison. Great. I mean, I'm telling you, there are are a lot of churches that that would not get through that, and most of them, well, anyway, you guys are great. I mean, I I, I would stumble some places, and y'all just, Okay, never mind. Uh, I also need to make one more announcement, because this is a special thing. And um, tonight, um, there's going to be a real... um, an unusual thing that will happen here, at at the church. Uh, about a month ago, I got an email from the uh, the Church of the Archangel Michael in um, Laverne, and I'm going the Church of the Archangel Michael, and uh, it turns out that that is what most Egyptian Coptic churches call themselves: the Church of the Archangel Michael. Uh, the Coptic church in Egypt actually dates back over 2,000, well, right at 2,000 years, they date back to, the, to Peter, to the Apostle Peter. And uh, about 10% of the Egyptian population is Christian, they're Coptics, and they're persecuted a lot. And so they, um, the, the congregation in Laverne, uh, most of them have come here in the last two or three years. Uh, a lot of them don't speak English, and they, um, uh, they're uh, refugees from religious persecution. Anyway, the reason why they sent me the email was it said something to the effect of uh, play at Springhouse April 6th. I said, what does that mean? And I contact them and they wanted to do a play. And I'm going, well, I don't. and then I, when I found out that it wasn't going to be in English, that it was going to be in Arabic, I went, yes, of course we're going to do this. And so uh, there will be a play in Arabic tonight here. And uh, they have invited anybody from our congregation who'd like to come. They, would, they, will, they will gladly provide translators for anybody who wants a translation. Or you can be like Justin Bashir's, who goes, I just want to go and figure it out. It's what I want to do. Uh, but uh, but if, you, if you have the opportunity tonight, I encourage you to come to encourage them and be encouraged yourself. Now, let me actually get into this sermon. Um, next week, we're going to jump into, into chapter 12 uh, for, well, come on, I didn't mean to go there just yet. We're going to jump into chapter 12 for Palm Sunday. But today we encounter another situation where a crowd is excited about Jesus. And being excited about Jesus is a good thing, but it's not near enough. Uh, The crowd next week that we'll be looking at, the one on Palm Sunday, as you well know, within within five days they had turned on him. And the same crowd that was yelling, Hosanna to the son of David, was yelling, crucify him. This crowd today was excited because the day before they there had been 5000 of them and they had been fed by Jesus with 5 loaves and 2 fishes and so they were excited but by the end of his sermon they all left him so it's not just about being excited about Jesus When they found Jesus, Jesus first of all challenged them by saying, I know why you guys are here. Uh, You're not here because you saw the signs that I performed and parenthetically he could have put and believed. But because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. I, I I fed everybody. That's why you're here. Don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that endures to eternal life. And they did not deny what he was saying. But probably even more tragically, they did not consider what he was saying either. Uh, Jesus keeps coming back to this point several times in the, in the dialogue about not working for food that, that spoils, but working for eternal life. Because they keep buzzing right through it. It's kind of like, okay, you're here for this, this reason, and that's not a good reason. They're going, okay, well, what do we do to be able to get this food? What do we do to be able to, to do the work that God requires? They skip right over the issue. He's saying one thing. They're, they're saying something else. Uh, he's saying one thing. They're, they're hearing something else. Often we don't hear from God. And I know that, that you guys on your retreat last week talked about hearing from God. Often we don't hear from God. Because we're having a different conversation from the one that God is having, we're so focused on what we think the conversation is supposed to be about, but God has a different idea about what the conversation is supposed to be about that we're having. Have you ever had a talk with anybody where that where that happened, where you know you're 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 trying to talk about one thing but they don't they don't get it? Uh, I remember a number of years ago, Margaret and I were having a. A young people's Bible study because we were young people at the time, and young people came to this thing, and uh, and I, and there was this uh, this one guy who came. I'll never forget him. He he, uh, he came with this girl, and I I think you know that was the main attraction. But it got him there. And after 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 the everybody had left, he came back that night and he knocked on the door. And I said, well, hey, I I don't remember his name, but I I remember the conversation. I said, "Uh, yeah, what what can I do for you? He said, how do I, you know, you guys are talking about uh, Scripture and Christ and everything. How do I get that? How how can I do that real fast? (laughs) I said, well, you know, you can't really do that real fast. I mean, that, that, that takes some time. Uh, you know, the, you need to read your Bible. You need to begin to begin to pray. You need to get into fellowship and, uh, and Start walking with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah that yeah, I, I, right. I got the okay, now, now, how do I do this fast? So, no, well, you see uh, the, the Bible. I mean, it's not the biggest book in the world But it's a pretty good sized book and and it takes a little while and you have to you need to spend daily time in the Word and walking with the Lord yeah, yeah, that, I got that, okay. And, and how do I do this fast? How do I do it quickly? And, and, I, and I kept trying to tell him, you don't. Can't happen. But he never heard the conversation I was having because of the conversation he was having. He also never came back. Never saw him at church. Never saw him at, uh, I, I don't know if he just didn't like the girl or what the issue was. But the thing was, the conversation, we were having having two different things. And people seem to do that with Jesus fairly often, especially when they were talking to him about eternal life. There are two times in Scripture that I can think of. There may be some more. Rhonda Frazier will tell me afterwards. Uh, (laughs) But there are are two times in Scripture that I know specifically people came to Jesus and said, how do we get eternal life? One of those was was a... um, uh, an expert in the law. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And let me just say that I don't view this uh, question as being the same question of how do I get to heaven, how do I get saved? <clears throat> uh, I, because I feel like in both of these instances, uh, that was not the concern of either one of these guys. Uh, the, both both times, these were these were guys who already had that covered. What they were basically saying is, hey. Um, I know there's more than what is going on in my life right now. So, something's missing. Something's empty. How do, I, how do I get that? Because eternal life isn't just living forever and ever and ever and ever. If you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this. Eternal life uh, is, is the, the quality of life that God has. Full of, in his presence is a fullness of joy. In his right hand are blessings forevermore. Uh, God is never... Uh, worried concerning anything. Peace is, is his. So uh, it's that kind of life. It's that quality of life. And so this, ex, excuse me, this expert in the law was asking about it and he thought it was, must be something that he was missing in the law. And Jesus said, well, what does the law say? And he said, well, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, good, do that. But there, there's something obviously that I'm missing here. You know, uh, who is my neighbor? Let's, let's, let's define, what we need to do here is define the law more clearly. And of course you know what Jesus did. He went on to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a guy going from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he fell among thieves and, and, and he, was, he was robbed and, and, and beaten and left for dead and uh, a Levite comes by and, and walks on the other side and doesn't want to have anything to do with it. A priest comes by and he's afraid to touch him. A Samaritan comes by and he takes care of him. Now, which one of these was a neighbor to this guy? And see, the issue here wasn't that this guy needed more knowledge. The issue here was that it wasn't something that he was missing in the law. It was something he was missing in, 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 in doing in his life. Uh, he, he was... He, he was missing loving those who weren't his kind. And often the issue with us isn't what we don't know, it's what we don't like. It's, I would say that, that it's a very small percentage of situations that we come up to that we don't know what is right and what is wrong. and We don't know what the loving thing is. The issue isn't, do we know? The issue is, do we like it or not? Because if we like it, we'll do it. And if we don't like it, we won't do it. And if we don't like them, we won't include them and love them. And if we do like them, we will. I am, you know, I, I am so thankful that I have lived as long as I've lived. And I'm so thankful for this church. Uh, This church would not have been possible in the church that I grew up in in the 1950s. Would not have been possible. And I didn't know how impoverished my life was because of so many people that were excluded from it. Because of what I was brought up in. And, and yet, now we're in this culture where we, we get to be inclusive and we get to, you know, uh, all different kinds of races and people with different ideas and different thoughts get to, it's kind of like being around the throne of God, every tribe and language and nation and, and tongue, and we, and, and we get to enrich each other's lives that way. And yet, we still tend to build walls around ourselves and go, ah, but not them. Yeah. So it's not what we don't know, it's what... That's what we don't like. And, and the rich young ruler, of course, was the other one who came to him. And, and his problem wasn't what he didn't like. His problem was that, was that he had a blind spot. And the blind spot that he had was, were that his, his, possessions, his possessions owned him. And so Jesus said, if you'd be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me and we'll have this wonderful life together. Now, this this isn't the problem that everyone has, that that they need to sell their possessions and give to the poor, although in this culture, it's probably a problem that a whole lot more people have than think have it, you get right down to it. Obviously, his possessions weren't doing it for him, but boy, did they have a grip on him, and so Jesus was addressing the blind spot that he had in his life, so here we are today, and Jesus is saying, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life. When we come to God, we should be aware of two things. First of all, we might not be having the same conversation he's having. So we need to find out what his conversation is. We need to find out what it is he's talking about. And then second of all, we need to understand that what he has to say is a lot more important than what we have to say. And that's understating it. So the work that God requires, what is it? The work that God requires is to believe in the one that he has sent. And that sounds easy enough, and it is, but we've always got something standing in the way. And in this particular case, it was, you know, well, if we're, if we're going to believe in you, how about a sign? What sign will you give us that we may see and believe you? Uh... uh what will you do? Our, our ancestors uh, ate manna in the wilderness. It is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now understand, this is a group of people who just 24 hours earlier had seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And so they're saying, well, you know, we'd like to believe, but we need to see a sign because we haven't seen one yet. And the issue is that we see them, God's power is beyond question. Our, des- our desire for signs is insatiable. I mean, we're, all, we're like little kids. And, and uh, the little, little kids, one of their favorite expressions is, do it again. Yeah. Yeah. My granddaughters, I have four granddaughters, and they have seen uh, Frozen seven times. And so between them, that's 28 times <laughs> that they've seen it. And they're ready to see it again and, and do it again. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, and that's how we are when it comes to, when it comes to God, when it, when it comes to signs. God's power is beyond question when it comes to a sign contest, if you will. But he isn't about just doing stuff to overwhelm us. He, he only does signs and wonders where he finds faith. When Jesus was at his hometown, it says he couldn't do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Now, let me, uh, let me try to straighten that out because I feel like it's been twisted. I feel like it's been taken and twisted that we couldn't do many miracles because of their lack of faith because God's got to have somebody with faith to do a miracle. Uh, that's bollocks, whatever bollocks is. That's what the British say. Uh, God... When Jesus healed the man born blind, the man had no idea anybody was, he was even being healed. When he came to the guy at the pool of Bethesda and said, do you want to be healed? You know, the guy didn't go, yes, I want to be healed. I claim this healing in the name of Jesus. No, he, 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 just, he started making excuses. He, he never once said, yes, I want to be healed. Yeah, you know, have, have faith. God, God does, has done miracles. God can do whatever he wants to do. He can do whatever he wants to. But here's the situation. It's the same reason why Jesus spoke to the people in parables. Because if Jesus comes out plainly and says, hey, I'm Messiah, everybody. Here he is. I'm the one that you've been looking for, so put your faith in me right now. And they go, "Uh, no, I don't think so. They're worse off than if he had never said anything to them. And so he told these parables and, you know, the ones that had the faith to grasp what was going on and believe could and the ones who didn't were at least not put in a worse position than they had been in before he taught them. When Jesus came and did miracles and people didn't have faith, they were the kind of people who 24 hours later would say, we need to see a miracle. And then after Jesus explained to them No, you need to hear what I'm saying. They went, well, we're out of here. So when it says that Jesus couldn't do a lot of miracles because the people didn't have faith, what he meant was, what what it means is, if he had done miracles, they weren't going to believe anyway. And so they were just going to be colder and harder and deader than they were before he came and did anything for them. So anyway, Jesus Jesus is is talking to these people and they're saying, we need to, we need to see a, we need to see a miracle if we're going to believe in you. And, and they, and they had a particular one in mind. I mean, for crying out loud, Hey, how about, why don't you feed us? Jesus has just said, you're, you're only here because you want food because you saw what I did. It didn't bring any faith about it. You're only here because you want food. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Hey, that's a great idea. Why don't you feed us and we'll talk about it. Did they hear anything Jesus had to say? Not really. At all. So the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. First of all, understand this. Moses did not give the people anything. He didn't give them he didn't have anything to give them. God does great things through people, but even even, even the one through whom he seems to do the most can do nothing in and of themselves. And, 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 in fact, Jesus said it very plainly in, in John 15, said By by yourself you can do nothing. Nothing whatsoever. You ever known a famous person? I, I mean, known a famous person. Not, you know, just waved at them as they went by, but, but known a famous person. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you know them well enough to find out that they had bad breath? You know, that if they didn't use deodorant, they smelled just like other people do. Might have even seen a wart or two or a, a, a mole or something that they had. Yeah. They're people, just people. It's not only God can actually give. And, and well, and also understand this. Everybody that Moses did feed is dead. That's what Jesus said to them. He said, you know, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and They died. So that's really not what you're looking for. In fact, he had to reiterate it twice. And so he keeps saying, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And that doesn't mean to, to not work, to, to, to make, you know, to go to the grocery store, but it does mean that natural food, even if it's, even if it mysteriously covers the ground like dew every morning, even if it's. Organically grown and and non genetically uh, modified food, you know you, You can eat all of that that you want and you will guess what die Eventually So that's not the focus. That's not that's not where eternal life lies. There's something more valuable And here are the reveals here. Here are the essentials about eternal life and we'll get through this the first is believe in Jesus The work that God requires to be saved and be raised up at the last day is simply to believe in Jesus. For it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. (laughs) Please understand what I'm saying because I I grew up in a a culture that was very um, suspicious of those who would say, all you got to do is believe in Jesus. Because they went, well, yeah, and then, you know, quit running with that crowd that you're running with and quit doing this and quit doing that. And, you know, don't smoke or drink or chew or go with girls that do because, you know, they'll 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 send you, you know, where Uh, there's a reason why they never mind. Uh, That was the wrong place I was going to go. But uh, this is what the Bible says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes on Him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes on Him will have eternal life. God's not willing for any to perish but that all should come to repentance. I I can't add to that. If I do it's me that's what the Bible says that's 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 how you go to heaven and get raised up at the last day and also let me just add this too because I think this is a this is a life verse that people need to know all who come to Jesus are drawn by the father he said no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them now I don't get wound up in the um the Arguments about predestination and stuff like that. I I think that's, that's a red herring, but you know, can the father draw us and us still not choose to accept Jesus? I I think so. I mean, I, I, I believe that that can happen, but I do know this. He chose you. He, he chased you. He cleansed you. He, he claimed you. He called you. He makes you his children and nobody is here today by accident and nobody's here today because they woke up this morning and went, I'm going to church. You're here because God had a divine appointment with you on this day to put you in that seat to listen to what he has to say. He he cares about you. He, he, He loves you. He's close. But to experience eternal life now, we have to feed on Jesus, feed on Christ. And here's what I mean. People will get saved. They'll hear the gospel. They'll go, yeah, I, I want that. I, I give my life to Christ. And then, I don't know, a month later, a year later, a day later, 10 years later, it's kind of like, what's, what's wrong here? I thought, I thought everything was supposed to change. What's wrong is you haven't had a meal in 10 years. You haven't fed in 10 years. Of course you feel weak and sickly. Because feeding on Christ is what brings eternal life. It's what brings... I said that that eternal life is a quality of life that God has. In order to have that, we have to become like him. Now, I, I also grew up in a culture where you'd hear often, you know, I, I want to, my desire is to, is to be like Jesus. My desire is to, is to do what Jesus did. You can't be like Jesus, but you can get close to Jesus. You can't make yourself be like Jesus, but you can make your you can draw close to him. And when you do, guess what happens? You begin to become like Jesus. My best friend in high school was a guy named Hank Abbott. And I was with Hank last night. And when I'm with other people, I talk like this. But when I'm with Hank Abbott, I talk like this because that's how Hank talks. <laughs> Hank has a and Hank has a real strong personality. And I just get in, I just get in the flow. And back before my dad passed away, when, I, when, I, when he'd, he'd call on the phone, Margaret never had to ask, was that your dad? She knew it was because of how I sounded when I talked to him. The closer you get to, to someone with a powerful personality, the more you begin to actually be like they are. And guess who's got the most powerful personality in the universe? Jesus Christ. And the closer you get to Him, the more you begin to take on His quality, say the things that He would say, take, take on the, and live the life that He lived. That life is the life that is righteousness and peace and, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And I will raise them up at the last day. I used to kind of go, well, what? Why does he keep saying that? Because they're two different things. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father... So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. During a more more mystical era of mankind, the belief arose in the Western church that the elements of the table magically transformed into the literal body and blood of Christ. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's He's not talking about that. In fact, he goes on to say later, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. What I'm saying is spirit and life. I'm not talking about a, a, a literal thing, I'm talking about something that's real. And it's certain that many have partaken of the elements at the table, at this church or other churches or any church, and their lives have been completely untouched. But to feed on Christ is to very simply make Him the center of your life. Make Him the center of what's going on in your life. When, when I uh, counsel with people before they get married and uh, and and sometimes afterwards, you know, I always go, He's got to be the center. You know, you've you met you've found this wonderful person. Guess what? I, she is she's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's great. She's everything you want today Tomorrow she's going to be different you know, and maybe there'll be days that she's better, but there might be day there will definitely be days He's worse and there may be some days that she's worse as well Because we're human beings But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and Forever and what is centered and focused on him is that you You know the world can just go flapping all around you and all kinds of things can be happening You're unmoved There's that there's that strength. There's that power. There's that peace. There's that joy Oh my goodness And so, you know, you can get to be an old guy who can't dance and you don't give a rip because Jesus is, Jesus is the one you're dancing with. And I'm not just talking about literally, spiritually, he's, he's, he's the, the rhythms of his grace begin to invade your life as he becomes the center, the focus of what you're drawing for. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Would you stand with me? And with those who are going to pray with people, <clears throat> come forward. We have a powerful, wonderful, miracle-working God who cares about you. And if you need something, you come. Come. You come. I mean, this hasn't necessarily been a big come to the altar kind of service. It's been a, it's a come to Jesus sermon, hopefully. But if you need something, uh, he's here. These brothers and sisters will pray with you. Uh, if you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to him. And he's here. He's here. Say, well, I I can get saved anywhere, can't I? Yes, you can. But you have to do it. And you probably feel more like doing it right now than you may feel like in the car driving home. So if you need to give your life to Christ, come. Uh, If you don't need to come, sing for a little while. Worship with us. Draw near to Him. Because that's where where the water is. That's That's where eternal life is.
1: Mm-hmm. if you're lost in a barren land then mm-hmm. all you can see is sand come to where the water is god will bless you god will bless you beyond measure he's concerned about your welfare out of your innermost speed Living water will flow like a fountain If you just come Come to where the water is If the well runs dry If the well where you drink runs dry And all you can do is cry Come to where the water is no. If you're trapped in the wilderness still a You're still a child of His Come to where the water is God will bless you beyond measure He's concerned about your welfare out of your innermost being living water will flow like a fountain if you just come
0: come to where the water
1: is come on if you just come The Lord is full, the stream of the Lord is full. 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 He's concerned about your welfare Out of your innermost being Living water will flow like a fountain If you just come Come to where the water is
0: Salvation, it's a wonderful thing to enjoy it you need eternal life too begins now raise your hand let me give you a blessing may the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world that we might have life we might have it to the full may you know that fullness of life may you draw near to him may you be so close this week that you smell his fragrance You sense his presence and the fullness of his joy is expressed in your life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.